apologies that I appear in darkness. I promise you it is bright where I am. I was just, I need to invest in a webcam. But welcome so much to the podcast. And I just want to kick it off by asking you, how would you like yourself to be introduced on the podcast? How, how would I like to, myself to be introduced? My name is Brian. Brian, Brian yes. Muguto. I am the Chief Strategy and Product Innovation Officer at Essence Media.com and um, also founder of um, my own mini enterprise called uh, 20 Odd. And so what does Media Essence.com do exactly? Because it's also kind of a mouthful for an organization. Media Essence Media.com. Essence Media.com, <laughs> Media okay. Media sorry. So, um, Essence Media.com is, is, for all intents and purposes, a media agency um, or a communications agency. Um, actually, we, we've been Media.com for the longest amount of time in, in South Africa and, and across the globe, I guess. Um, at the beginning of this year, we relaunched as Essence Media.com because we merged with another agency called Essence. Um, and that's why we have the really long name, Essence Media.com. But we do a bunch of stuff. Um, media strategy, planning and buying is sort of like at the heart of what we do, but we have a, a bunch of other services. We do everything from SEO to social and influencer marketing, um, to econometric modeling and data and analytics and tech dashboards and so on. Everything that sort of like feeds into having, um, a healthy and well-functioning communication ecosystem for for any sort of uh, brand. Um, yeah, I could talk forever, so you must stop me. Um, <laughs> we we service brands like uh, Coca Cola, PNG, PlayStation, um, Adidas. So um, yeah, Distel. Just. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I was about to ask who are some of the cool clients you've worked with. Yeah, so 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 those are some of the the, the bigger names, but I mean, um, we've we've got such a spectrum of of, of clients um, locally. We 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 work with Mr. Price, for example, um, Distel. I'm not sure if we can still call them local because of you know they they're sort of like um, partnered or been taken over by Heineken. Um, and then we've got a lot of global brands, some of which I've already mentioned um, as well. And Google, Google's also one of our clients. So uh, quite an interesting roster of, of clients. Yeah. Impressive. So your role as the head of strategy, media strategy and product innovation, what is it that you do exactly in that role? Cool. Well, firstly, there is also a head of strategy. I'm the chief strategy officer. So, um, chief strategy, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting it all mixed up. It's today. okay. It's okay. We'll, we'll walk through it together. Okay. So, um, so, so, so strategy is, is one of our core functions alongside, um, media planning and buying. Um, and then the product element of, of my role speaks to all of the other things that I talked about, like the social and influencer marketing, the SEO and, and, and all of those things. We call them disciplines, and we actually have um, heads of disciplines um, at our agency. So there is a head of SEO, a head of social and influence marketing, a head of analytics and insights, a head of data and tech, head of strategy, etc. cetera. Um, and then I, I sort of oversee and work with all of them 
Um, and because ultimately what we're trying to, to deliver is not siloed solutions from each one of those different sort of disciplines, but rather coming up with uh, the best integrated solutions based on what the needs of the clients are. So it may well be that in some cases, the client just needs strategy, but in some other cases, that strategy might also unlock um, the conversation around mm. SEO and social media um, or influencer marketing. And in the end, our solution may be a combination of, of all of those things. But at the heart of all of it is the analytics and insights discipline. Um, we, we strongly believe that everything has to start with data, um, data to understand the, the, the contextual environment mm -hmm. that the business is operating in, data to understand the consumers or the people or cultures and tribes that we're trying to connect with, um, data to understand the competitors and what they're up to and stuff. So everything starts there. Um, so analytics and insights is arguably one of our most important uh, disciplines and everything starts with them. Has that been something that's come up quite a lot recently over the years? Because, I mean, data wasn't always such a big piece in a business and now it seems like it's just exploded. Yeah, 100%. I mean, data has always been there, right, um, in, in different shapes and forms. Um, mm. I think what's happened in recent times is that... Um, We've become better at finding it or mining it. Uh, we've become better at um, organizing it, mm. understanding it, and we've become better at being able to use that understanding to actually act on it, uh, to, to generate outcomes for, for businesses, for brands, for ourselves as people as well. And I think that's that's the most interesting part, right? I mean, yes, you speak about an explosion of data and that's 100% right. The amount of content, information, and ultimately data that's generated by people, businesses, companies, everything, every single day, every single minute, every single second is astronomical. Um, so it's put more mm. pressure on us to be able to, to try and find ways of, of working with it that are better. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why AI has become such a massive thing lately. Um, you know, any way that we can sort of um, transfer some of the labor of having to 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 shift and uh, sift and mine through this data and make sense of it, um, automate that functionality and and make you know our thinking process and how we act on that data a lot easier, is obviously something that's going to to fly. Um, so yeah. So you also mentioned that you have a side hustle called Twenty Odd Creative Collective. So. What is it that you do in your side hustle exactly? Yeah, so it's 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 one of those things that's not necessarily all clearly defined. Um, from my own passion in photography, um, <laughs> you know, started off just um, had a little camera that 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 my dad got me when I was uh, sort of preteen, if I can use that term. And uh, every time we'd go on holiday, I was always taking pictures, yeah. pictures of family, pictures of animals when we're on, so, um, you know, game drives and things like that. I was going to say safari, but I was like, no, that's not like African appropriate. But I started taking <laughs> pictures of, of, of people too. Um, so whether it was like at a birthday party or like Christmas or whatever it is, I'd always be taking pictures. And then one day, um, my aunt actually invited me to... Um, 
a breast cancer uh, survivors function that she had organized. And she asked if I could come take pictures for that, which I did. Um, she loved the pictures and she offered to pay for them. And I was like, no, 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 you know, we're family. It's all good. Don't worry about it. And she was like, no, really, you know, you should, you should really um, capitalize on this talent of yours. So I took the money and uh, I went and I, and I went and I, went, you know she what I mean? She started your career. <laughs> so yeah, I, I went and I registered 20 odd and um, the name 20 odd actually um, comes from, you know, the, the, the fact that it isn't actually clearly defined. So it could be like 20 odd projects here or 20 odd activities there. Or, you know, it's just like a, a loose yeah. way of, of saying there's a bit going on or a lot going on. And, and yeah, so, so photography became the core. And so I've got a little bit of a studio where I do portrait photography. I also go and do um, home visits or on location photography. Um, I can do corporate shoots at, at companies, um, whatever it is. Right. And I think naturally because my career is in the creative space and my side hustle, if you like, is also in the creative space. I, I bump into a lot of other creative people who are also doing things that are both on the job and outside of the job. Uh, and, and, and I started yeah. accumulating names and contacts, um, LinkedIn, Facebook, all over the place, WhatsApp. Um, so 20 odd creative collective is, is really just in re reference to the collective of people that I have in my in my sort of wider circle of, of, of creatives who do everything from graphic design and web development to user experience design to copywriting to photography, videography, etc. Um, which makes me a good plug. So if you ever need anybody to help with <laughs> any of your creative needs, um, I probably know somebody for whatever thing that is that you need to get done. So... Obviously, you find yourself in two creative positions, you know, where you're working at EssenceMedia.com and then obviously running your own creative agency, 20-odd Creative Collective. What would you say was your amazing, affluent, Oprah Winfrey aha moment? The word affluent is, is tricky. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I could go around saying I'm affluent. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was what affected you then? What was um, affluent you? know what, you? yeah. Um, I think I, I was actually having a conversation with somebody the other day, yesterday, not the other day, yesterday. And they were talking about how we spend all of this time sitting at our desks um, in the office and we're in the creative world. And it's mm -hmm. like, how can you possibly be, you know, as creative as you possibly can if you are always sort of like stuck there in front of a screen, just churning out stuff. And he spoke about how, you know, he likes to find outlets, things that allow him to go and stretch his mind and stimulate his mind in different ways so that when he comes back to what he needs to do, mm -hmm. he's he's got like, you know, different stimulus, different things that, that, that allow him to think in different ways and different directions. So I think more so than looking at it as like two different jobs... Or, or, or something like that. Like, I mean, 20 odd is, is not an agency. Mm -hmm. 20 odd is just something I do. It's, it's something that um, I collaborate with people and, and it could be just, you know, a small gig on a weekend or it could be like a whole project and that sort of thing. But um, I don't see it as work. 
I, I just see it as this is this is a creative outlet, something yeah. else that I'm doing as an extension of just my creative self, I guess. Um, and it's cool because then when I do get back to my day job, if I can call it that, um, I have other things to 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 talk about and other ways that I can add value to the conversation beyond just the sort of linear understanding of our space that you know most others would have. Um, so it's complementary. It's 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 more complementary than two 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 different things. Um, and like I said, I think you know obviously how twenty odd happened was not intentional at first, but I think as as I've I've kind of like mm. started to see the value that I can add um, and the value that people within the collective or the network can add and that sort of thing, I've become more and more intentional about it and more and more structured um, about it. So, for example, um, there's a job board now um, on, on, on Facebook, which is, you know, just over 5,000 people, um, where... I started off by just posting jobs that were available at my company. And now there's like, you know, different recruiters, different people from, from across the creative industry who every time there's a job in their space will post and or other people will come and say, well, I'm looking for something. I'm looking for this. Here's my CV. Here's my profile. Here's my portfolio and that sort of thing. So it's like a job exchange. Um, so that's, that's like an intentional outcome of, of, of that process, you know, as, as an example of, of things. Um, and also like, um, you know, my brother is also in business. He works a lot with small and medium sized enterprises and that sort of thing. Um, their work is around investments, economics, uh, that sort of thing. But a lot of these people that he interacts with need creative services, um, and, and in the conversations that we have mm. together, there's often times where like, I'll be like, oh, geez, we, I know somebody who can do that or, Hey, you know what? I can help you out with that. Um, so, so it, it's also one of those things that adds value, even just informally to like small businesses, startups and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, which, mm. which I guess then led me to the other intentional space, which was then like seeking out startups and seeing how I can add value in, in that space as well. Um, so, so now there's, there's, there's a partnership that I have with, um, with guys, uh, two, two guys who started a, a startup called Kuronga and Kuronga is, is basically, um, a platform that's designed to, to add value to the agricultural value chain. So connecting, um, farmers who are up and coming um to to markets it's here it's 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 a digital platform used anywhere really um but for purposes of um development okay. and testing and that sort of thing um the, the the guys have have launched here in um south africa and they're also trialing in zimbabwe as as well but uh, as i said because it's digital um by that nature, it can basically travel to any any, any market or any corner of, mm. of the world. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting partnership that we have because we've got, you know, one guy who um, is, 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 is sort of like a crop scientist um, who, whose sort of specialism is in developing um, drought-resistant crops. 
The other guy is got a financial um, services background and investment background, but he recently uh, bought a farm with his wife and, and they apply a lot of the methodologies and a lot of the technology on their own farm. So, you know, putting, putting your money where your mouth is type thing. Okay. And then I come, <laughs> yeah. And then I come into the yeah. dynamic um, in terms of like, well, you guys have got an amazing story to tell. How do we get your story out there? Um, and I consult with them on how they can use platforms like social media or, um, you know, events um, and activations yeah. to, to, to draw people into their world and for them to tell their story and hopefully attract investors for, for, for what they're building to, to grow and multiply. Is that what you think uh, attracted you to a career in marketing is the storytelling? Yeah, I think, <laughs> I, I think a lot of my, my stories and sort of like career redirects uh, are not necessarily all by design. Um, so, so I studied business management um, at, at university. So marketing wasn't necessarily the, the, the main thing, um, but I, I ended up getting um a marketing sort of part-time job when I was in my third year of uni and and I just continued with it after I graduated um so that's how I happened into marketing but once I was there um it, it was it was it was wonderful um I think the storytelling aspect of it um came later on because at the beginning of my career I wasn't a strategist okay. not in the sense that I am now um, it was more sort of like pure marketing, doing exhibitions, uh, doing more, more, more from a sales support um, type of thing. I think as a strategist, though, storytelling then definitely became a superpower. Um, it's something that I do enjoy. People often, you know, talk to me about being a wordsmith and, and that's sort of thing. I always feel like that's a heavy burden to carry, but <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, storytelling is something I enjoy from writing the perfect headline on a slide um, to, to, to crafting an entire narrative for, you know, a, a strategic business proposal um, and that sort of thing, or even storytelling in, in photography as well. Um, the way I approach, um, for mm. example, I, 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 I lean towards a documentary style it's it's not always the, the posed picture that that is sort of like a, a forced narrative, but it's the in between pictures that that um, sort of tell the story of the day or the story of the moment that are more interesting to me. So just going back to you know splitting your time between a day job and uh, you know your side hustle and passion, how do you how do you find the time to balance some of that, and what have been some of the struggles that you've had to face to juggle? the two because I'm sure there have been times where it's been really busy at work and then you start getting an influx of making yeah. requests for, for um, Look, I think one of the things that I've had to learn to do is to just say no. So, so important. Sometimes, um, you know, <laughs> there are a lot of gigs that will come my way and I'll be like, well, that's, you know, during the week, during the day and I've got client meetings and I've got... Um, you know, deliverables and I'm never going to be able to to get to it. Or I do take on a gig and then, you know, mm. uh, from a photography point of view, and then after that, I, I have to invest time to to do the the, the editing and the, the sort of post-production work. 
And that in itself is consuming. And then there's the pressure of the client who wants their photos like yesterday and they want it to be like Picasso level quality and that sort of thing. So um, that's hectic. And and I had I had to learn to say say no. So how did you learn to say no? When did that uh, moment look, it, come it, you? it came a while back when uh, I had done a, a gig. I had gone and taken uh, some photos at an event and um, I'd been paid for it. And I'd promised to deliver within, you know, a specific amount of time. And maybe I was a little bit naive at the time because um, I didn't afford myself enough of a buffer to, to go and do the, the post-production work properly. Um, and, and suddenly the deadline was looming, the deadline passed and I was, I was in trouble and people were threatening not to pay the rest of my monies and threatening to, to go and sort of like tarnish my reputation yeah. out there and that sort of thing. And, um, yeah. And, and like, I, I, then spent like, you know, a, a couple of all nighters trying to get the job, um, done, which, which eventually it was. And luckily they afforded me like a little bit of extra mm. time to to finish properly, but it was a painful experience and I didn't want to go through it again. And um, in the grand scheme of things, it just didn't make sense. Like yeah. why, why, why should something that I enjoy and love, which is photography, turn into something that is like so laborious and, and painful. So took a step back, mm. did some research, mm. some benchmarking, saw what other people were doing and, um, learned more about contracting yeah. um, in the freelance space um, and how to protect yourself and, and how to, to sort of like um, manage the expectations of clients. And I should have known better because a lot of these things exist in my <laughs> in my day job anyway. Uh, it's, it's just that like, you know, sometimes the things that are so obvious, you, you neglect to to apply them into other areas of your life as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the next question I was going to ask, what was a business blunder turned to blessing? But I feel like that was definitely a blunder turned to blessing for you as well. Yeah. You know, learning to say no, kind of don't overlook the basics. I, I have to ask this as well. I'm sure you've seen that. The, it, I think it was a couple of months ago. It went around on social media where a photographer was messaged by a woman who who wanted a refund on her wedding photos because now she got a divorce. <laughs> you haven't had that uh, happen to you no. at, at any point in time. <laughs> Luckily <have you? laughs> not. That's hilarious. I did it. I'm gonna Google it. Uh, it it was it was going viral. It was hilarious. It was this guy got a message and it's like, "Hi, you took my photo, my wedding pictures, like four years ago, whatever." Um, I would actually wow. like a refund because now we're divorced <laughs> and it became this whole wow. debate. And he's like, are wow. you joking? <laughs> no, I mean, look, I, like I said, like, I think contracts are so important, right? I think um, a lot of people sort of overlook contracts because it's mm -hmm. like, oh, it's just a small job. Um, but, you know, at the very least have like some sort of service level agreement or something um that that protects you an nda um w whatever it is something that like um yeah you know defines what the exchange is in terms of the value that you're delivering and what you're getting back um in exchange this is so very important to to protect yourself and and also for the clients to protect themselves as as well because you know people can take advantage people can get very creative about how yeah. <laughs> they manipulate and 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 that's sort of 
something and it's, it's not cool. So yeah. take the time, draw up something, you know, you, you won't regret it. Um, that's a little piece of advice. Yeah. So speaking of advice, what would be a top tip of yours for someone who's looking to maybe start a side hustle, pursue a little bit of a passion project? What would you recommend that they do? Yeah. I mean, or you know what, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of people who, who kind of like have ideas and and um there's there's obviously a, a like a formal term for this and I, and um it's escaping my head at the moment um <laughs> it's it's when you doubt yourself um and and you think maybe my idea isn't that mm. big enough or maybe it is not um commercially viable or or, or whatever it is and i think you know I think people have to be braver and people have to be more confident in their own capabilities and abilities um, and, and, and try because like you, you never know until you've tried. Right. Um, so that's, that's, mm -hmm. that's half of the battle and probably the bigger battle. But I also think that a very important thing is for people to take themselves seriously when they do decide to do something um, like, you know, mm -hmm. I, I like the fact that, you've invested in in your craft you know you've got your recording gear you probably subscribed to the software that you can use um to 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 do the recordings and you know you've got your post-production stuff that you use and that sort of thing like a lot of people will kind of like half half get into it and half sort of like you know, you know like people don't fully commit um and then it's and then it's easy to just sort of like yeah yeah it was just something mm. i tried out oh, yeah yeah, it was just, you know, and you can never really know what the full potential of it could have been, right? Um, so I guess that's my thing is like, mm. um, firstly, be brave enough to 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 jump in and, and actually give it a try. But once you've made that decision and you've crossed that yeah. line, then like throw, throw every ounce of your effort and your mind and everything um, into it and, and give it the best chance of succeeding and becoming something worthwhile. To yourself and to other people um, as well, um, hopefully. Yeah, I think a lot of people, why they're scared to start on the side hustles or take time to invest is that notion, the fear of failure. You know, if you if you don't try, you can't fail. So uh, on that, what is your view on failure? Because obviously, you know, you've gone after quite a big career. You have quite a successful career and having a side hustle. So what is your take on failure? I'm sure you've encountered um, it. Yeah, failure is just like... It's a fact of life, right? It's gonna happen um, somewhere somehow. Um, there's no way that you can completely avoid it um, for all of your best efforts. There's always going to be something that, oh, geez, <laughs> why did that happen? Why did it happen like that? Or could have, uh, should have, or whatever, right? Um, so, so I think it is is probably the hardest thing to embrace it. But I think that. Um, if, if, if you can mm. change your mindset around failure to, you know, one of I fail and then I'm hurt and then like that's the end of everything to one of I fail and then I learn and then I can optimize, I can improve, I can do better the next time round or go bigger the next time round. I think that 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 shift in thinking can help a lot of people to 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 go forward um, and, and try things. Um, and commit to mm -hmm. to some of the ideas and innovations or whatever it is that they they may be sort of like sleeping on um yeah and that's it for me i think you you know 
it, it's just a mindset shift um, and nobody can do it for you. It's one of those things you kind yeah. of have to think about. You have to internalize, you have to make it make sense for yourself um, and that sort of thing. Now, it obviously also doesn't mean that you must go out there and just, you know, be reckless. Um, <laughs> there's value in calculating yeah. your risk <laughs> and trying to mitigate your risk, yeah. right? Um, there are soft entries that 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 you can have into a new new space, um, still being committed, but not also putting yourself in a spot where, you know, you you if if the failure does happen, then you are completely ground zero and you've got no way of um, sort of bouncing back or carrying on. So it's a balancing act uh, as yeah. well. But failure is 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 a part of life, and uh, it's it's about how you manage it. It's about how you embrace it. It's about how you think about it, and and how you react to it um, after the fact as well. Yeah. Well, that's what the whole idea of this podcast is: is about normalizing failure. Hopefully, I know no one can change someone's mind about failure, but hopefully, we can help absolutely guide them in the right direction. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, absolutely. You? you know, I, the other thing as well is that uh, just last thoughts is um, people shouldn't also be afraid to to speak to other people. You'll be so surprised uh, at discovering how many people have mm. thought the same thing or similar thing or walked a similar path and tried something, failed, got up again and went again. Even those people that you look at and probably aspire to be similar to or emulate their success and that sort of thing have probably failed a couple of times along their journey and probably experience more failures in the future as well but i think also sometimes hearing about other people's failures and their stories of bounce back can help you to to sort of like motivate yourself to to say well okay cool that's that's okay it's 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 fine i can do that too i can fail too but i can also bounce back so just to close off this before we move on to the quick fire round okay. i want to end it off on a little light-hearted note um so what was a cinematic worthy <laughs> cock-up moment cinematic worthy Ooh, i don't know I, I think i think you're putting me on the spot here Cock up moment. I don't think I've had like you know like um, a really a really epic one. I'll tell you what. Um, I've I've worked on the Coca Cola account for 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 a number of years, um, and I guess sometimes you just sort of get comfortable. Um, I, and I always shop bullies, for example, and 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 mm-hmm. there was one morning and I had a really early meeting. I went into Woolies and I went and I got myself like a sandwich and a bottle of water. Now, I, I neglected to think about the meeting that I was going to, which was to go and meet um, the Valpre client at Coca-Cola. And I walked in with my Woolies water and I put it down on the desk. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, no, I was getting... No, they, they probably just looked at, it, looking at me. It was all the bombastic side eyes, like, how dare you, but without saying anything. Um <laughs> Yeah, and then I had like yeah. my perfect drinking shot, gluck, 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 and um, and yeah, and then and then slowly but surely it, it it clicked, and I was like, oh my god, and I tried to put it under the table, but it was like far too late by that time. <laughs> so I guess that's one. That's the that's that's one for the books. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. So now moving to the quick fire round, just the first word or sentence, just first thing that pops into your head. So starting one. If you could change people's perception about one thing in the world, what Africa. would it be? Okay. 
Two, what is the worst piece of advice you've ever received? You said one word. Oh, yeah. So one word, one sentence, just the first <laughs> thing. So worst piece of advice. Sorry. <laughs> first thing that pops to mind. Let me change it to that um, one. <laughs> hmm. I think... I, I I think any 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 number of sentences that start with don't or you can't or you shouldn't or that's not for you, um, mm. you know, any anything that sort of like puts you in a bucket of that's something for them and then that's something for you. I think those those kind of things are, are very sort of I don't know, they 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 trip people up, right? Um once you have a perception that you know, yeah. um, something only belongs to a certain group of people or, or realm or, or quality of people or people who live in a certain area or whatever it is. Um, that 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 can that can be like a major hindrance. Um, I've got a guy who I went to school with who recently had um, an animated production um, released on on Disney Plus, right? And and for me, like that was like one of the proudest moments, oh, cool. even though it wasn't my thing, but it was just like, ah, oh, that's 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 so cool because you see everybody else's yeah. things flourishing. Um, but moments like that help you believe that, like, no matter where you're from or what your upbringing is or what maybe disadvantages mm. you previously had, any anything is really possible based on how you you plan, chart your path and be intentional about uh, trying to get to your dream. And in contrast to the second question, third question is what's the best piece of advice? The best piece of advice I've ever received is, is, is around um, placing yourself in uncomfortable situations, right? Um, growth will come from uncomfortable situations. Um, as long as you stay in your comfort zone, as long as you stay in your lane, um, growth is going to be minimal, right? Um, every sort of like step mm. forward in my career or, or, or in my growth as a person has always sort of like been all the more significant when I've, when I've stepped into a space that's, that's uncomfortable. Um, my current new role is a case in point, mm. you know, um, I've been a strategist for a long time, um, but moving into a place where I'm responsible for product innovation, product development um, under um, the umbrella of digital and creative mm. sort of like transformation um, is not necessarily something people may have necessarily associated uh, me with or something I would have sort of said I'd ever be doing. But um, I've been asking myself the question, how am I going to grow further in the next year, two, three and this, when I looked at mm. it, was an uncomfortable situation standing in front of me. And I said, this is going to help me to grow. Um, I'm comfortable. I'm going to have to learn through it, but it's all good. Yeah, Product is a very exciting space and I recruit for that space. So I wish you all the best on that. Um, four, if you could live in any book, which would it be? But if you don't read fiction, what would, would, would you highly I would want to live in a children's book. Um, I don't know something like Winnie which the one? Pooh, you know, I, I want to like spend days chowing honey, uh, <laughs> running around and swinging from trees with 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 Tigger and stuff. You know, like you know, every everybody wants to to sort of like hang on to their childhood, like you know, the whole forever young concept. Um, 
I don't want to yeah. be in a grown-up book. I don't want to be in a horror yeah. story. I don't want to be in a thriller or anything. I want to be in a children's book because it's like fun, carefree, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> and final question. Who are three people in the world that you would have over for dinner? They can be fictional, they can be historical, or they can be present. Ooh, yeah. So many people. So many people. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I think maybe more so than the individual people themselves. Um, maybe the category of person, you know. Um, being from a creative advertising marketing world, I, I would want to have somebody who has, you know, been at the pinnacle of, of my space, right? Um, I don't know, the, the person who, who, who founded the first billion dollar company, you know, maybe one of these Bill Gates or or, 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 mm. or, or or one of these sort of guys who who has founded a tech startup or one of these social media startups that has grown to become like a global entity, you know, um, Jeff Bezos, you know, Amazon. Like I, I want to, to somebody who's like created yeah. something so small um, and, and probably arguably intangible to start off with, but has grown to be like, something that has such massive impact on everything. So that'll be a starting point. Um, <laughs> I think I'd want a, a, a politician <laughs> because um, I don't know, like, I don't know how many politicians you know, but like, I, I, I don't know many, like personally. So like, and I think we, we always like judge and say a lot and feel a lot about like what we see and hear from politicians. And, and, and it'll be great to actually, you know, just have like a mm. normal human conversation about stuff, um, you know, with, with maybe a president. So reaching into history as a Zimbabwean, I'd, I'd like to sit down with Robert Mugabe and, <laughs> and get under the hood <laughs> and, and just understand. <laughs> yeah. And ask why, why, what, just how, why. like, I don't know. There'll be a lot of questions. I'm, I'm sure it'll be a lot. a lot of questions. I'm sure. I definitely think you won't be the only one who would like to have Robert Mugabe <laughs> around for dinner and just be like, yeah. So like, why? <laughs> just what, what um, were you thinking? <laughs> yeah. So, so, and then, and then I think um, somebody from the world of sports, Right. Um, I am a I'm a I'm a sports fan through and through. Like I'm the kind of person who can just turn on the TV and oh, there's golf and I'll watch golf and I'll be like oh, there's tennis and I'll watch tennis. Like you know, obviously I I have my favorite sports and I have my favorite sports personalities and that sort of thing. But like I can just get into it. Um, and sports people are just mentally, physically, some of the most amazing people um in the world you know um mm. and and again i'd love to 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 get into the psyche of like a high performance athlete you know um uh, maybe it's somebody like in evan Elizabeth. let's 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 talk about that moment that you just <laughs> mm. the man who had a great yeah. Weekend. He yeah. Just had you know, an amazing um, spring. Break I don't game. know. It could be like an Usain Bolt to to find out about like 
how 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 does a person mm. like decide World's like this is men. it i'm i'm going to be that fast and and do everything it takes to to be that um yeah so yeah i mean i've got so many sports people that i could rattle off that i'd love to sort of like you know speak to and understand um because i think also um the sports world has also got a lot of parallels to uh the creative world as well like sports mm. people are artists as well like in my mind um, so yeah i think that that would yeah. make up my three yeah uh, uh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. not really names a business it's more kind founder of personalities. <laughs> uh, um a politician and a and a high performance athlete walk into Brian's dining room <laughs> there's a joke in this <laughs> that sounds like a really great show yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for coming onto the podcast. I really appreciate your time and I've had a really great conversation. And um, yeah, we'll be in 100%. touch with you. We'll definitely uh, be in touch fun. in the future. Great way to spend a Friday afternoon. And uh, yeah, I look forward to more chats. <laughs>